Hi there, how are you all? Welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by Kraken, the best place to buy, sell and trade Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack, and today I've got an interview with John Carvalho to discuss why Bitcoin is fuck you money. But before that, I have a message from my show sponsors. So first up today, we have the amazing BlockFi, my longest ever sponsor, and they are the future of Bitcoin and financial services. And this week, they just announced an update to their interest accounts. Customers can now send USD wires to the platform to purchase the Gemini dollar GUSD and begin earning 8.6% on USD denominated assets. Now, with their interest accounts, you can already earn interest on your Bitcoin, Ether and GUSD. But this addition to allow you to send wires directly into the account makes it a lot easier to earn interest on your dollars. They already have their crypto back loans and they've already made some other huge announcements this year. They've got their Bitcoin sats back credit card coming and they've also got a mobile app coming. So much happening there. All these amazing announcements. BlockFi are going to have a massive year. If you want to find out more, head over to BlockFi.com, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com. And today's show is also brought to you by the mighty, mighty Kraken. The best place to buy, sell and trade Bitcoin. I say this every week, but why is it? Why is it the one I use? Why isn't it the one you use? Come on, if you're not using Kraken, tell me why. They are consistently rated the best and most secure cryptocurrency exchange. And whatever level of your experience, Kraken has designed and built a streamlined Bitcoin exchange for newcomers and experts alike. Their platform provides world-class financial stability because they maintain four reserves, healthy banking relationships, and have the highest standards of legal compliance. They also pair their 24-7, 365 live chat with an extensive customer support center to help ensure your questions are answered and your needs are met around the clock, no matter who you are, no matter where you are. And with Kraken Pro, their beautiful mobile-first app, you can trade Bitcoin wherever you want. There is no better place to trade Bitcoin. If you're not using Kraken, what are you doing with your life? If you want to find out more, head over to Kraken.com or search for the Kraken Pro app, which is available for the iPhone and Android. Just search for Kraken Pro, which is K-R-A-K-E-N-P-R-O. Okay, so on to the show, and we have reached the end of the beginner's guide. It's a couple of shows longer than I anticipated, but I think everything in here is everything I wanted people to hear. We've got 17 shows, 17 episodes to introduce people to Bitcoin. So listen, if you've got friends and you want to get them involved, you want them to understand what Bitcoin is, you've got to send them to the beginner's guide. I do need to say a massive thank you also to every guest who's come on. Everyone has helped. Some have been very last minute. You know, some have been planned with plenty of time in the diary. I've had help from people getting it together. I've had some help in the background. A lot has gone into this. So a massive thanks to everyone who's been involved. Anyone who's listened, the feedback you sent me, I really think it's been worth doing. So to end it all, though, to finish it off, we've got probably the most Bitcoin man I know, my favorite Bitcoiner in all of this, is John Carvalho. We've got him on to discuss Bitcoin as fuck you money. This is the conclusion. This is the end. This is what it all came down to. And now the first time I heard this phrase was with a tweet by Jameson Lopp last year. It comes from the fact that if someone wants to close your bank account, they want to stop you paying for something, or they want to inflate away your wealth, Bitcoin gives anyone the ability to say fuck you. I think it's the perfect way to round things up. I think John is the perfect person to round things up. And if you've got any questions about this series, do reach out to me. My email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. And please do just share it out with your friends and family. Let's get this out to as many people as possible. 
Welcome back, John. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to have you on. So I've been doing this Beginner's Guide to Bitcoin. It's proved pretty popular. And from the very start, you knew I wanted you on at the end. I wanted to conclude it with you for a number of reasons, but mainly because I think you're just the most hardcore Bitcoiner I know. Uh, I've covered a lot of subjects. I started off with Andreas. I just covered why we need Bitcoin. I did the technical size with Shinobi. I've done monetary policy with Dan Held. I've done macroeconomics with Travis Kling. So many shows. We've done 16 shows, but here we are. This is the final one. This is the conclusion to wrap it all up. And yeah, I just want I want to get as much John Carvalho hardcore <laughs> Bitcoinness I can into one show. I want everyone listening to this as a final one to be bullish as fuck about Bitcoin. Have absolute no doubt. You right for this? Are you ready for this? I am. I'm, I'm, I'm actually quite honored that you're choosing me for this aspect uh, of your series because uh, to me it's like absolutely the most important thing like the fuck you side of bitcoin is bitcoin to me <laughs> all right so listen we're going to start off though for anyone listening john why bitcoin for you um like i started to say just then it, it is pretty much that i think that we have a lot of human rights talk and a lot of freedoms and a lot of like achievements we've made as a species you know uh, overcoming our own idiocy and, and greed and, and evilness that we, we can sometimes have but i don't actually think we've ever ac- achieved true freedom for ourselves I, I think the current current government dynamic with with the way things operate with border border controls and money controls and 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 you know all of the situation it, we're all still kind of slaves in a way and it, and it feels that way you know when you're traveling and crossing these borders or getting letters from the government about your taxes or whatever just every interaction for me at least there's this underlying like paranoia because you know you're kind of their slave in a a way that like they at any moment if there's something they don't like about your behavior they can just lock you up and 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 it's over they'll kill you or whatever and and for most people in most situations it never gets to that point but bitcoin is like the first time i have ever in my whole life and probably all of us have had an opportunity of achieving an ideal, uh, a kind of better setup that maybe dismantles the power of governments in one way um, and, and ha- makes them have to behave more like what we designed them to, you know, like to, to serve the people and, and provide, you know, centralized efficiencies for us, which I think is what they're really supposed to be for. And I'm not like anti-government. I'm just anti-evil and anti-corruption. I think the current design allows for too much corruption, too much inefficiency, too much basically arbitrage of ignorance and and that bitcoin helps cure that and how relevant right now i mean over the last quite well you know i've been traveling a lot over the last year but especially recently i've been out south america i've seen the riots in chile i've seen you know the problems in bolivia i've been out to venezuela you know under an authoritarian rule i've just been out to turkey and at the border with both syria and greece like it feels like there's chaos everywhere right now. And I know people have said to me, like my father said to me, he said, oh, it always feels like that. But right now, for myself personally, I feel like this is the most chaotic time I've ever lived through. So how much more relevant is Bitcoin now in this kind of current environment? I mean, I'll have kind of a side comment on all that. You know, I have a saying, if you're looking for trouble, you're definitely going to find it. And, and I think that maybe, you know, you do a little bit of that because it's your job. You know, you're, you're looking for the chaos and you're covering the chaos. So, of course, the world is going to look extremely chaotic to you. It doesn't. I see it, too, but um, I don't think it's all bad. 
But in the context of what I think you were really asking, yes, obviously, you know, if you can get your hands on some Bitcoin in a situation where there are other people in your in your environment that will accept the Bitcoin or, you know, uh, do business with you and, and kind of skirt the system that is oppressing you at the moment. Yeah, Bitcoin serving a great purpose there. It, it is providing a little added freedom, a little more mobility, a little more security and safety for you hopefully. But as you've come to learn and now reported to others, this is not always as, as, as easy as it may seem. You know, like these people, Bitcoin isn't always the perfect answer for the, every situation of, of oppression and this kind of thing. It can be, and it, and it gets it gets better at it every, you know, every year and everything we do, every, every amount we build out this economy. But uh, for now, um, it, it's just doing what it can and, and as best it can. And we, all we can do is help educate people that it exists and how to use it and what kind of purposes it does serve. But, you know, things like volatility and other shortcomings to people in these situations that need this kind of freedom out of their money, those have kind of solutions that are coming around the corner too. And, and even then, for now, Tether isn't so bad, you know, for short-term trust risk if you if you don't want volatility. And, and a lot of other solutions are coming around uh, we can get into this a little bit more later as well with lightning. Well, so I had to moderate a panel in the summer at a, an event and it was Brave New World versus 1984. And I'd never read Brave New World. Uh, I, I'd read 1984 and I understood that kind of Orwellian future, which very much reflects, I think, a lot more, I would say a lot more on somewhere like China, whereas Brave New World feels a lot more like the US. But I, I do feel like we are slipping closer and closer to the art becoming reality the the, the futures that these you know book, books are predicted and i feel like the growth of technology while it's been great for us enables so many things the internet's amazing in some ways mobile devices are amazing we also as what's come with that has has been more technology for the government for the state more surveillance more control and with the digitization of money outside of bitcoin it feels like we've got even more financial surveillance, less privacy. So I'm feeling like I'm seeing that dystopian future, those pieces of the jigsaw puzzle coming together now more than ever. And that's why I'm, that was kind of like the point I was, uh, I was asking you about is that even now Bitcoin is even more relevant as you know control and surveillance over our money is growing. Well, I mean, it's tricky because you know a lot. Of, there are also people who argue that that Bitcoin makes surveillance easier, and and there are dangerous sides to that as well. Yeah, I, I think that Bitcoin at the base layer probably is better off being transparent and and not private, and people can seek their fungibility and privacy better on layers and and kind of detaching from the blockchain system. So yeah, I don't know. It's tough. <laughs> So for you, it's a lot more about the taking control away from the government and less so about, and, and taking corruption away, less so about than offering that immediate privacy now. Uh, I'm, don't get me wrong. I, this is more, I, I'm making this point because of, I, I think that as a, a design for Bitcoin, that, it, that it's necessary. It's not that I, I don't value privacy. I just feel like to do privacy properly, you probably need to have the base layer still be transparent. That's all. You, yeah. you need to make sure everybody can can rely on this kind of, for lack of a better way to put it, visually audit, auditable uh, ledger as, as like the basis for your money. Because 
this is the only thing that Bitcoin's for. It's a store of value. And if you want to store a value, you want it to be like dead transparent and know that everything is, is legit. And if you want to achieve privacy and other things, I think we can find other ways and we already are finding other ways. Um, so yeah, I think that privacy is super important and, and that you can still achieve it if you're smart. Um, mostly people, I think, try to achieve more privacy than they really need. And there's a little bit of privacy LARPing on like crypto Twitter and stuff like this. Um, the, the people who really need privacy, they're, they're having, you're going to have to do a lot of advanced things to try to stay truly safe and private on the internet that go beyond just how you manage your Bitcoin. Yeah, so I think right now... You know, truth privacy for any Bitcoin user is kind of it's beyond the technical means of most people. It's uh, probably yeah, but it's uh, it's something I hope will be abstracted away in the future and it'll become almost natural. It'll be, it'll be built into the product. But can you give me a window into because you've got this kind of grand vision of the future? I, I the way I look at you, John, is that you're picture in a Bitcoin world a few steps ahead of everybody else. Can you give me a window into that kind of future you're seeing and, and where you're seeing this kind of Bitcoin world? I don't know that I see something steps ahead of other people's, but I'm certainly trying to at least maybe create models of what it could, how it could actually work and, and uh -huh. be practical about these models and maybe, maybe play a role in architecting, you know, helping Bitcoin reach these, you know, the, a model of a basically alternative economy for Bitcoin. So if I were to zoom into the future, what I would say is I want to make sure and I want to help be a force to make sure that anybody always has an option, an alternative economy where they don't even have to think about bank accounts. They don't have to think about the government, whatever it may be. There's just a, a free market, an alternative market, a permissionless market that I can enter where all of the rules are entirely transparent. I know what to expect and, and any trust relationship is completely obvious. You know, like if I'm holding say a tether token, I know that tether is, you know, dollars issued by this central entity. It's the relationship is very clear. Um, and, and those kinds of things, maybe I, I, I think could end up tolerable. Uh, maybe we can do something better than tether. I don't know. Um, but yeah, in the end, I think that the future for Bitcoin is an entirely alternative economy where people can completely opt out of the banking banking system, any limitations on money, uh, you know, traditional money, and, and just be able to completely operate internationally and, and be fully kind of agile within this economy without needing permission. So you see in that future whereby we have no need to go to a bank account, give them our information to, to create an account and have permission to take money in and out or perhaps have limitations on what we can take or some scenarios that we've seen recently where I think in the US, I, I saw recently that FinCEN went into somebody's bank account and took money out, which is something that amazed me or somebody else who was traveling from uh, one country to another with some gold and they wanted answers where it's come from and, and they had to hand it over. You'll see in the future where it's just like, fuck you, this is my money, you don't know what I've got and you can't touch it. I can completely operate outside of you and you hold no control over me. Right. I mean, you know, the only way you can have freedom is if you operate in a system where you're free. And Bitcoin isn't free either. You know, it has a lot of rules, but they're completely transparent rules that you can rely on and you don't have to trust, you know, will change or, or be disrupted. So you, you know what you're getting into from the start and it's fully optional. You know, you opt in. Whereas the, the system we're born into for most of us is not like that. We're born into a whole government system and tax system and, you know, 
payroll and you know borders and all of these things that affect the basically keeping us as as cattle or slaves you know for lack of a softer term and i don't think that having money private money is 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 a crime i don't think privacy is a crime i think it's the only way you can have freedom um and i don't think that regulating is a way to fight crime and so fighting crime yeah it was nice and convenient to be able to tap people's cell phones and, you know, spy on their internets and, and, you know, seize their accounts, but it was never really crime fighting. It was never really, you know, fixing societal ills. Right. It was just like catching, just putting out a net on on, on the public and seeing if you could catch some bad guys while you caught good guys too. And, And it's just, to me, it's lazy. It's lazy management of society. It's lazy governmenting for lack of a better term again like i feel like bitcoin could really realign things to get people to behave much more properly with like incentives you know so do you think people are ready for this i mean i know that's a broad question because some people are and some people are not someone like matt odell is ready now someone like you's ready now i'm kind of like on my way there but do you think the world is ready for people to have this completely separate economy where you can you can operate outside all traditional systems. I, I, you know, my first answer is I don't give a shit. It doesn't matter if it's ready. It's gonna, it's gonna happen when it happens. Whenever it doesn't matter. You know. Fuck you, Bitcoin. Yeah, it's true. And in the end, like sometimes I, I said this on, an, I don't know if it was our interview or another interview, but sometimes I wonder if like all of our debating about Bitcoin and, and kicking and screaming and debating and, and arguing, if it's all just like completely meaningless and all the things were going to happen the way they were going to happen regardless of how much we debated <laughs> why they happened or when they'll happen um that kind of deterministic thing but uh i think that my guess is it's probably not even the right way to form the question i think what's probably that that's like a misleading question okay i don't think the world has to be ready for this i think this is the world the way the world already is all of the stuff that's happening that you're worried is going to happen because of Bitcoin already happens, just not on Bitcoin. Okay. I don't think Bitcoin creates crime. I don't think Bitcoin creates evil. It's just a tool. And so if, if evil decides to remap itself onto Bitcoin because there are incentives for it to do so, then yes, maybe the world, maybe that's getting it to the heart of is the world ready um is the world ready for you know money that actually the you know if suppose bitcoin becomes makes confidently private is the world ready for money that allows you know terrorists to transact with each other uh pedophiles to transact with each other you know uh, is the world ready for that i think my answer remains the same those people are already doing those that business and they're already using some means. And so Bitcoin doesn't cure or, or create those behaviors. You know, it, it's just a format. So uh, the world doesn't need to be ready. It doesn't matter. This stuff's already happening. Bitcoin is not going to happen, probably not going to make it happen more or less. It's just going to make it maybe more apparent, maybe more, more topical, you know? Okay. I would rather have the, the society talking about why pedophiles are a problem and and what to do about it than being very proud that we caught pedophiles sending money to each other right because the money's not the problem because if you're going to do that you can blame computers mobile phones right electricity and every other part of the jigsaw puzzle the knife doesn't do the stabbing you know 
Yeah, guns don't kill people. Yeah, <laughs> people kill people. Okay, no, that, I, that makes sense. Okay, so back into the the format because this is a conclusion show. I, I you know, I've going to have a bunch of people listen to this, John, who've gone through the series and they might still have some questions for themselves. But I just want to run through them and I want to get your version of them. And this gets kind of almost like a summary of of all the shows I've done. But what is it that makes Bitcoin unique for you? Uh, you know, the asinine uh, asshole answer is cryptography is what makes Bitcoin <laughs> unique. But, you know, this gets into, I think, maybe people talk about like the Bitcoin being a shelling point, having network network effect, you know, being the first. And, and I think that is true. I think that is kind of what makes it unique. You, you can't be the first, you know, uh, rare cryptographic blockchain. Uh, you can't be the second one and then also claim that there's a digital scarcity concept, you know, because then there's a third one and a fourth one and it just gets silly. Um, so there is that kind of advantage of being first. There's a network effect advantage. And the fact that it's probably going to be really hard to unseat this shelling point, like you can make as many shit coins as you want and it just makes, it's just more shit coins and a sea of shit coins. And at some point people are going to want to like, stick their head out of the water and see where the lighthouse is. And the only thing sticking out is Bitcoin, you know, like the, every other thing that sticks out to somebody is like an oasis an illusion. It's just because they have, they're greedy or they're delusional. You know, they, they, they just think they, they can make more money off of the second Bitcoin than they can make cooperating with the first one. Um, and it has nothing to do with technology. And this is kind of a, a scam, that, that people want you to believe that, that you're being anti-intellectual, anti-technology if you don't support altcoins. But yeah, this is what Bitcoin, you know, Bitcoin is unique. It is the only Bitcoin. You can make forks and you can make, you know, new versions and new names and new brands and new designs, but they just can't be Bitcoin because, you know, you can't, there no two things are actually fungible in the end. And so Bitcoin is definitely unique. Bitcoin is, in my opinion, our best chance. You know, if we all... The way Bitcoin maximalism is, I've mentioned this recently online on Twitter and stuff, Bitcoin maximalism, part of the idea here, it was never about like being scared of competition or thinking that new tech can't be improved on, you can't improve on Bitcoin tech. It's nothing to do with that. It was that this, this works if you actually understand that Bitcoin is a Ponzi for the people. It is a headless Ponzi, and the more everybody converges on this, the more everybody benefits out of it. Like the only way to get central efficiency out of Bitcoin is by getting everybody to use it. And it can, you know, you want maximal decentralization at the node level, and you want as many. But the way to truly achieve decentralization is not via Bitcoin nodes; it's via human nodes. You need as many people in here as possible. It's funny you say Ponzi for the people, and the the more people join, the more benefit we get. But it isn't just a financial benefit, right? I mean, obviously there is the financial benefit. The the number goes. No, up. it's the circular economy benefit. Yeah. It, it's like literally like when 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 we talk about a circular economy, this concept doesn't come from you know just from keeping everybody locked in here. It's an efficiency concept. It's about recycling. It's about keeping things within the loop and not creating redundancies where you're doing exchanges and transfers in and out and having to always, you know, have this, uh, this entropy, this grind on everything you're doing. If you keep it all in one loop, then things are much more efficient. You reuse things. It's, it's a better way to do an economy. It's economical, you know? Um, and, and that, and that's really what it's about. 
but there we can we can safely say that with every other shitcoin that has ever existed every factor of bitcoins try to be improved upon they've tried to improve upon the block size and the speed yeah so every knob has been turned every, every magic knob. number has been adjusted but you know uh I'll, I'll, maybe I'll jump ahead. I think you you wanted to ask about altcoins. Um, yeah, I mean that's leading. This up topic to my is question. overlapping a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, should we care about altcoins? Should we? You know, that question. If you want to talk about it as an investment, I would say, well, no. You know, in, in the context of why people care about Bitcoin and why Bitcoin is important for humanity's future, no, you shouldn't care about altcoins. Probably not. But I'm not trying trying to say that altcoins and, and their developers can't come up with cool ideas and cool applications for blockchain, um, whether it be by mistake or, or through the creativity that, say, Ethereum allows them, they, they might feel more free there. The, they've definitely found some use cases that, that I don't, Bitcoin probably would have found them on its own too, you know, if that work had been just diverted back to Bitcoin. But it, it, there is some things to care about with altcoins, just to watch what they're doing. But the issue is that they never needed to, you know, make this a speculative asset in order to explore these things. And a lot of, and this is where the whole scam comes in, and, and even the delusion. You know, the, these are developers that they create these coins and they they buy their own bullshit. You know, they they think these coins are maybe could unseat Bitcoin. That these coins maybe are a better investment in than bitcoin because they have more tps or whatever um but it's it's just not true bitcoin is going to keep trumping all of them it's going to it's going to take whatever you make that's useful and put it on a layer you know it's going to take any you know amount of traction you get for your store value and just eat it up over the years as as our havings come and you know bitcoin becomes more more we get more and more people in here it's just you you can't have you literally cannot ha have win by having two monies. You know, you you have to commit <laughs> because if you, if you really think there's going to be appreciation of the money, thus more network effect, you have to choose the right money. And if you want to make your business choosing the right money every day, then you're just a trader and you're and you're trying to predict the future, and that's a different conversation. And if you get tempted by any shitcoin due to some technical factor, you've missed the point. Well, I mean, it depends why you're what you mean by attracted. If attracted means attracted to buy it, then yeah, you probably missed the point. But even then, you you know, investing is just a matter of time preference. If I if I think something is going to go up tomorrow, and I have a high confidence and a low risk, I will buy that thing and sell it tomorrow. <laughs> you know, this is just uh, it's hard to to deny an arbitrage opportunity like that or such a profit opportunity. But, you know, in the context of Bitcoin and why we're, this conversation we're having, yeah, you would be making a big mistake to buy any other coin but Bitcoin if you were looking for, like, you know, this, this having this freedom money, having this, this security, this decentralized money, being a part of an alternative system uh, and, and knowing you can rely on it still being there years into the future. I, I don't think you can get that with any other coin. Yeah, because it's the only one that has that kind of real focus on maximum decentralization. I talk about... I've done it a few times, talked about, um, so people have said decentralization is a spectrum when you say something like, oh, Ethereum is quite centralized. And I actually say, no, it's, it's directional. 
yeah, centralization is a spectrum. And if something's becoming more centralized, then directionally it's heading in the wrong way. It feels like Bitcoin is the only one that directionally is always moving towards even more decentralization. Does that that's make actually, sense? That's one of the better ways I've heard, not heard before, um, that I've heard it described. Yeah, I think it's a great way to describe it. Is is Bitcoin is is striving for maximal decentralization and, and altcoins just simply aren't. And, and the incentive... Just, just by literally tweaking these these designs, mostly what they end up doing is changing that direction. Uh, it's a very good way to put it. Next up, I talked to John more about Bitcoin being fuck you money. But before that, I got a message from my sponsors. So firstly, let's talk about my new sponsor, Sat Street, who have now officially launched. Sat Street is the easiest way to send Bitcoin to everyone you know. With Sat Street, you can gift Bitcoin to people by email. And not only that, SatStreet gives you many ways to earn Bitcoin by bringing together all the top referral programs in the industry in just one place. SatStreet will also reward you for every person you invite that earns Bitcoin. So newcomers get to learn about Bitcoin and earn Sats, and at the same time, you get rewarded for helping grow the network. I think this is pretty cool. I like the service. I met the guys out in Uruguay when they explained it to me. I was like, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Now I've seen it. I see what they're up to. So if you want to earn Bitcoin... While helping grow the network, make sure you check out Sat Street today by visiting satstreet.com, which is S-A-T-S-T-R-E-E-T.com. And also today, we have Cointracker, and I'm also going to be recording a show with Chandon from Cointracker. Some people have got in touch with me. They've been like, Pete, what are you doing supporting tax? You status, you supporting the government, tax is theft. What the hell are you doing? And look, the reality is tax is a choice. You can choose to pay it. You can choose not to pay it. Whether you like it or not, though, if you choose not to pay it and the government come after you, you're going to have to face the consequences. Look, I don't want to pay tax. Of course, I don't want to fucking pay tax. But I don't want to go to prison either. <laughs> so I do pay my tax. I pay my tax every year as much as I hate it. And to do my tax calculations for my Bitcoin this year, I did use Cointracker. And it was so easy to use. All I had to do was plug in my wallets plug in my exchanges and in like two minutes it calculated my tax which I just sent off to my accountant and now I reluctantly have to pay the man which is bullshit but I talked to Chandon about this I said come on man everyone's moaning come on the show so we are going to record a show about this and we're going to talk about the implications of tax you know what are the things that the various governments are up to and some of the case studies that he knows about some of the trouble people have got into so yes it is optional tax is optional but I do support Cointracker for those who are interested in paying their tax. Now, filings work for the US, UK, Canada, and Australia, and the service is free for those who have 200 or fewer transactions in a year. And listeners of the show, if you've got more than 200 transactions, then you can get a 10% discount by using the link cointracker.io forward slash A forward slash WBD. Cointracker is C-O-I-N-T-R-A-C-K. ER.io. And they also have apps in the Apple and Android stores. So you can go and check that out. But if you want to actually use the service, you do have to use their website. Okay, so listen, if 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 Bitcoin is king and it's not about the technology and it's more about you know the fact that it is first, it's the, the, the kind of trust that's already been embedded and built into it. I'm still going to have people, they're going to come in, they're going to be tempted by shit coins, they're going to look at them and, and they're going to hear different stories. What is it, like if you could crystallize it down, very simple message, why Bitcoin, just to keep it really simple for them? So the, 
the only reason to use a blockchain is because you want to have, you know, it comes down to understanding what a blockchain is. A blockchain is just a database that keeps track of a key and a value that's assigned to that key. The, the miners and the whole protocol of Bitcoin is just only for securely having a way to make updates to those key assignments. And that's the only thing a blockchain is actually for. It's just a way for everybody to have a copy of a database, be able to reflect the public key version of their private key to show control over a number in a database. And Bitcoin only really means something when you have two people that agree on this. So it can be me and you, we each have a node, we connect, we say, this is what I think the history is. You say, I agree. And that's it. We don't even need miners at that point. We already agree. But, if, if I want to have a kind of secure process for now updating this database, that's where proof of work comes in and where mining comes in and where we're giving the reward to the miners for, for basically just making it really, really expensive to change this database. And, and if we make it really expensive to change this database, it allows us to create a situation where we, we can have a money that does not require escrow, does not require middleman. So there's no trust in escrow. And Bitcoin becomes the middleman. Bitcoin is, is this trusted escrow agent of, all, of our whole entire ledger. And so you have to understand every single blockchain is this. They're all of this. And, and so every other blockchain, the only thing they're trying to do differently is they're trying to tweak what the rules are for changing the database. And typically, the only way to make these, this better is by making it more centralized somehow, more risky somehow, because then you can make it faster, you can make it cooler, you know, you can make it more complicated, etc. So all these blockchains, they're, they're taking this very primitive design and they're elaborating on it on the base layer. So no matter what, you, all these shit coins, they're all going to fail Bitcoin because they're, immediately they're either accepting more centralization, which means going... That, that, the direction you mentioned they're all choosing the wrong direction <laughs> um that, that so that that's that's one reason to just not give a shit about them that they always fail or they are adding more attack surface you know like they're just making the thing more complicated and more likely to be attacked less less reliable and and the truth is we're already using cryptographic key schemes and and Bitcoin core developers and, and Lightning and these people are the best in the world at making really really interesting tools with cryptographic key schemes where you can start chaining these things together and embedding them and making commitments and timestamps and and they're gonna they're giving us so many things to make things with, but everybody is so greedy that they're trying to just fast forward. They don't want to work on Bitcoin. It's too hard to work on Bitcoin. I don't have time. I don't have the patience to wait for this to be possible on Bitcoin. So they're just jumping ahead and they're saying, I choose risk. I choose centralization so I can sell this fucking shit to people. And that's what's really going on about coins. So if, if there was really uh, an innovative tech that simply could not be built on top of Bitcoin the way it is right now, but it was, but you knew it would be better if Bitcoin had it, if you were sincere, you could probably raise money from sincere Bitcoin people that think that your idea was worth having on Bitcoin, even if it required a hard fork. And they would get behind you and fund creating that technology for Bitcoin so Bitcoin could have it because Bitcoin is super valuable to a lot of people with a lot of money and resources. And so unless, unless you're just trying to arbitrage ignorance and, and you know exploit people 
uh, exploit people's interest in Bitcoin instead of exploit Bitcoin's actual features, then you're probably just making a shitcoin that is actually truly shit and either delusional or a scam. All right. That's exactly why I wanted you on, John. Okay, so <laughs> we covered the base chain there a little bit, but I know for you the kind of big, broad vision involves Lightning. And I haven't covered Lightning too much in the series. Like it was, It's a big leap, but I've covered mainly the base chain. But I did do one show with Jack Mallers to give people a picture of it. But it would be good to just cover that again. So firstly, if you could just explain to to the audience now like what Lightning means to you and why you think this takes Bitcoin to the next level. Sure. So, uh, you know, I, I said this before, I'll say it again. I think it's kind of impossible right now, you know, to overstate the importance of Lightning for Bitcoin. You know, I, I've been a hype man for Lightning for about a year now. And, uh, you know, at, at BitRefill and, and just on my own as a Bitcoiner, you know, and the more I got to understand Lightning, the more I saw what people were building, I just kept getting more and more excited and, and more and projecting more and more expectations onto Lightning and now onto myself as well to build to keep building some of these things for Lightning. So the reason why I feel this way and, and it's unfolding this way is Bitcoin was never actually, you know, peer to peer in the sense that people thought when, when we were saying you know, there are peer to peer aspects to how Bitcoin works, but not how it you know, how people use it. Um, Bitcoin was never instant. You know, we, we kind of got that wrong in the first few years. And, and you know, yeah, I actually think that in, in from working at BitRefill, I did learn that, you know, accepting zero confirmation transactions is actually something probably manageable if you're, an, if you're you know, uh, a revenue generating business, you know, like you can probably manage your risk of how much risk you want to take with accepting zero conf so there there was there is still kind of an ability to do instant but it's not user friendly at all at all and what, what lightning did is it brought everything that was missing for bitcoin for like the retail side of commerce um it brought it all to bitcoin like we didn't have it before and now we do we didn't have you know exact amount of invoicing we didn't have any way to like p- communicate as peers on the network we didn't have instantaneousness. We didn't have fr- high frequency payments for low cost. And, and now we have all these things and like we've entirely unlocked this whole other side of Bitcoin for, for commerce, for B2B, for consumers, for maybe micro task applications, for streaming payment applications, for streaming data applications. This peer-to-peer network, it, it's... We're, I think we're going to see it used not just for transacting and not just for maybe some of the, the layered three-ish things people already know about. But I think we could use this for peering for normal networking needs. And you'll probably see things like, you know, torrents being, you know, propagated across the Lightning Network and monetized and in and messaging and social media maybe even, you know, uh, there's a lot you can do when you build in monetization and, and you make it instantly responsive, you know, close to instant. There'll be some limitations because I don't think Lightning will be as affordable as everybody is is predicting. Um, there, there's some expense there, especially when you're routing across multiple peers. But but the, the promise of Lightning is big, and I certainly have a lot of expectations for it, and I have no problem with 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 
continuing to hype this and letting other people have expectations for it because I do think this is like Bitcoin's first playground. Um, you don't need consensus here. Like all of the Ethereum people that jumped the gun and just felt like they needed to leave Bitcoin to make cool, risky things, like they can come back now. They really can. We don't have Turing complete smart contracts and rich state statefulness and such. But, you know, with things like RGB and Spectrum and tokens on Lightning, this is coming all stuff that's coming around the corner, messaging on Lightning already being functional in, in more than one way. Like, you have to be nuts. If, if, if this isn't enough for you to get creative and make cool products and think of new business ideas, then I, I don't know. You just got to be a little bit dense in my opinion but that's that's cool for the devs but say me as a user how's my experience going to change with lightning try and take me a few years ahead and give me a picture of what i'm going to be doing will it be built into my browser is it will i have a lightning wallet built built into chrome or in brave will i be will I have it with my how, how how do you see this playing out um, the odds are it will play out a lot like how other things have played out that are similar in the past. In other words, you it probably will start off, you know, with trading trading off some convenience for trust and centralization. You know, you, we already see some custodial wallets and things like this. Uh, it's not uh, something I I think is really necessary or, or vital to the growth of Bitcoin and Lightning to have these custodial things. But there will be some cases where, where we need centralization as glue. But as a user, what you're going to have is the user experience is, is finally getting some good attention. The product design is finally getting more attention. Um, and, and you're going to have basically, you're going to be able to use an app without knowing too much about what's going on. You know, you're just going to be able to say, I want to be able to own you know, decentralized dollars and maybe you want to learn about, you know, maybe there'll be like a die option uh, on lightning or something someday, you know, you know, some kind of stable coin that is uh, algorithmic, but in the end you, you'll have tether, you'll have Bitcoin, you, you'll have all these things and you'll be able to use them without thinking about it. You just go to the store and you will pay, you know, it, it just, you can use your NFC like you do with your credit cards or your, you can put your PayPal and your Google Pay. And you, you'll probably start to see user experiences like this for Bitcoin, where you'll just have your, your Bitcoin plugged into your Google Pay or you'll have your Google Pay plugged into your Bitcoin Pay thing. You know, like you're going to start seeing Bitcoin create mirror versions of the current reality because that's how humans are. We're just going to mimic what we see and try to make a Bitcoin version. But but you also see people getting more creative and realizing, you know, what the actual difference is here and creating even new user experiences. Example, a very simple example, uh, paying to any, you know, your phone does, you don't know what the hell that QR code is. It might be a QR code for Bitcoin, Litecoin, uh, Lightning, it could be whatever, but your phone scans it and, and reliably pays it. And all you have to do is on Bitcoin, you know? Um, situations like this, some some of that might be facilitated by payment processing and exchanging in, behind the scenes. And maybe you know, if you want a lot of convenience, you end up asking for some KYC. Or or for people who want total freedom and uh, and you know independence, they're just using normal Bitcoin. You know. So you see it in both scenarios, one in this shadow world of new products that will pop up and appear that just exists within this kind of Bitcoin lightning world, but there's also that this Bitcoin lightning world will also bleed into the traditional world where it will be an option alongside what PayPal and credit cards, and you could just choose whatever you want. Sort of. 
I, I yeah, I, well, the way you describe it, I'm okay with. But I, I do want to make a distinction in that I feel like the industry so far, all of the money, the, the VC money, Silicon Valley, you know, the big Bitcoin companies, many of them are are on a path to where they they're trying to exploit people's interest in Bitcoin and and kind of amass custody of all their assets, and and this is indicative of because I think they want all those assets to be theirs eventually. Um, you know, their idea is that you keep spending money until you have none left and then they've milked you and they're done. Um, and I want, I want for Bitcoin, I want more companies to be thinking, you know, I, who cares about fiat? Who cares about banks? Who, I don't want to make a new bank. I have no interest in competing with Coinbase or competing with, you know, JP Morgan or Bank of America. That's that's boring as fuck to me. What I want to make is a complete alternative, and and I think you're going to see that more and more. What a bit like Jack has done with Cash App and Square. Yeah. So I guess what I was getting at is not check, not 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 necessarily Cash App and Square. More the direction thing again, like strike from Jack Mahler's. Mm-hmm. He's going, he's going in one direction, right? He's saying, I'll help you pay lightning invoices with your cash. This is not something that like tons of people are asking for right now, but it is, it is like an important, you know, part of the circular economy that, that, that tube needs to be there. <laughs> um, and so, and, and that's an on-ramp, you know, that's an on-ramp to Bitcoin. I have a lot less interest in off-ramps, um, at least, at least fiat off-ramps. We're trying to get people in here. We're not trying to get people to just exploit the interest in Bitcoin, you know, and, and I think that's a mistake. We don't want everybody, all Bitcoiners to be here for trading, you know, like that, that's not how we're going to like, improve the world <laughs> and not all just hodling and even just hodling yeah hodling there's nothing wrong with trading well there's nothing wrong with trading as long as you're not fooling yourself in, in, in ignoring that you might actually be gambling um that part of it but hod- there's nothing wrong with hodling either there is a problem with people who think that hodling doesn't ultimately result in spending um, and I don't like any kind of spend shaming. It's it's ridiculous. Well, no, no, I said it, and not just hodling. Um, you know, I've yeah. seen uh, there's some people who talk about like oh, we should. It's just a store of value, and we that's all we need to do. And 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 that doesn't actually make any sense to me. I think there has to be some spending. There has to be the the movement of Bitcoin wealth around. Well, go, like Sergey put half, the first half of this. Sergey Kotlyar put it perfectly. He said. All Bitcoin is always being hodled, all of it, all the time. (laughs) There's there's just no paradigm where you talk about whether you're hodling or spending. It's all being hodled. That's the way Bitcoin works. It's a database of who's hodling what. And so the spending is just a matter of when, that's all. Yeah, the the moving of from one hodler to another. Yeah. All right, so people have been listening to this. They've gone through 16 episodes, hopefully. They've got to hear, they're bored in. They think they they think they're in John, but they want to get involved. But look, the first stage of getting involved is you can very easily just go and buy some Bitcoin. But like, how else can people get involved? Because I get it to me sometimes. Like, oh, mate, probably like once or twice a month, I'll get an email and say, I really want to get involved in Bitcoin. How do I do it, Pete? What's your advice? You know, it, it's one of the hardest questions, man. I know. Um, <sighs> All right, I, I spend a lot of time myself like educating online on Twitter, and, and I've even written some blog posts, and I've done these podcasts, and I do my I do my part. I think um, I could anybody could always do more, but the thought of like getting an email of somebody saying, "Hey, John, I'm new to Bitcoin. You know, what should I do?" Like that's not an email I really want to answer. That's not an email. like that. That is such a fucking chore. 
you know it is there's no like there's no easy way to respond to that person without doing a, a responsible amount of work well yeah. actually i have a standard response now and i think i stole this off Meltem. i i say to them just start writing start a medium blog find an area of bitcoin you like start writing about it and then hmm. start you know put that out there get some responses get a feel for the area of bitcoin you want to be involved in because it is broad yeah there is yeah. technical side of things there's marketing side of things there's doing what i do doing what you like there's a lot of different ways that's always been my advice and people show up for different reasons too you know like mm. If they showed up for Bitcoin, it's a lot easier. <laughs> um, you know, if they showed up for some other reason, it gets really complicated really fast. You know, trying to somebody who's never experienced trading, never experienced gambling, never experienced investing, and now they come in here and they hear there's a better Bitcoin, and that and they're they're experiencing all those things and more for the first time. Cryptography, you know, uh, cryptocurrency, like. They just piled on like 20 different disciplines and, they, and and they're suddenly having to behave as if they're experts. And if they misbehave, people immediately attack their egos. <laughs> and so like there's not this is not a good environment for like cultivating positivity and cultivating, you know, safety because they're coming in from greed. Other people want to take their money. They're trying to take other people's money. It's just like the incentives are all over the place. So yeah, I don't know how to answer that question. I, I think maybe the series like this, you know, your podcast series where, you, where you're covering everything in a comprehensive way, you know, a lot of people were sharing like Jameson's Lop, Jameson Lop's link page. That was mm -hmm. a popular thing. To, but I, after a while, I started I stopped sharing that because you go to that link page and it's overwhelming. <laughs> like you don't know what to click on. Like yeah. this is like okay, this is like more than I would ever have in like a college course, or maybe even a whole semester of college courses. Like I don't even know where to start. And so I think that maybe my advice would be, you have to identify a few people that that are are worthy, you know, are trustworthy peers, reputable. Kind of like the easiest thing to do is go to Hive One maybe and just click on Bitcoin and like follow the top like 100 people and that's a pretty pretty great start probably but there's so much to learn don't jump in don't act like you can fix anything don't create anything you know <laughs> wait 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 if you're a programmer sure you know like get involved and start learning how to program and make stuff but like don't go and start like your first bitcoin company three months after you discover bitcoin <laughs> you're gonna get it wrong for sure <laughs> well even on opinions you know we can we go back to the first time we recorded that was after you removed your mute of me because yeah i did that i threw myself in came in with a bunch of opinions and you know it it's a very hard world to come into, and I think it's getting harder to come into. Uh, another thing I noticed is that I don't have the patience I used to. I used to look at people like you and think, can't you just be a little more fucking patient with me? Give me some time. I'm, I, like I've really heard this great thing about Dash, and I think it's this kind of – it's got these master – and like you wouldn't have any patience. I'm there now. I don't have the patience. I actually just block yeah. and mute a bunch of people going against what I, what I felt previously. I think it's getting even harder to get involved. It is, especially like when you have a longer bear market, what happens is, is like a lot of the people with free time start disappearing. And so you have like less volunteers, you know, like helping with Bitcoin. And, and like me, like through this bear market, I have advanced my career and gotten worked and I work even more. So I spend a lot less time on Twitter. I spend a lot less time holding anybody's hand or, or whatever. And so my, my, my involvement is even inter intermittent there. And when people ask, yeah, my tolerance has kind of 
gone now. Like if, if some, if there's somebody that actually thinks like say BSV is, is actually the real Bitcoin just because they're, they're, you know, a day old Bitcoiner, a day old crypto person, I'm not even going to take them seriously. Like, I'm just going to be like mute. Like, I just never want to even have this noise in my life. <laughs> and, and that's not very, you know, if that's a real person, which I, I doubt most BSV accounts are, but if that's a real person, that's real. Uh, that's sad, right? Like mm. just totally being dismissed on your first day. What about becoming <laughs> a good guardian of Bitcoin? I think that one important thing people really need to do is get a fucking job. You know, if you got rich off Bitcoin, good for you. Stop, you know, but if you're trading it all away slowly, that's that's not cool. Um, if you have less Bitcoin, you know, any trader, if you have less Bitcoin now than, than you did a year ago, stop. Like, it's just it's just over already. It's really hard to out-trade Bitcoin in its own pace of growth, you know, on, on a four-year time frame, you know, four or five years. To, to be consistently a great trader, just stop. It's, it, I don't think it helps. So to be a good guardian of Bitcoin, I think you have to be a productive human being that puts value into Bitcoin. That can be as simple as just, you know, working on your career and making more money each year so you can have more money that you actually can save long term. Um, you know, participating in the Bitcoin world, you have to be able to store value. And that means you have to be in a financial position to save money long term. Um, you don't want to have to sell the bottom. You don't want to have to only have enough Bitcoin to where, like, you know, you you have maybe one month of float in your life, and if anything goes wrong, you have to sell all your Bitcoin. You have to you have to be a productive human being, contribute to society, and and so you can keep saving money and storing value. That's the simplest form, and the, the kind of thing that anybody can do. And and many of many of you out there are not doing even doing that, like just caring about being a productive human being. Beyond that is to, to take it to the next step, to now develop skills that allow you to specialize within this world, you know, whether they be becoming a better programmer or learning more about economics or product design or just basically doing what you can to have skills to get a Bitcoin job. You get a Bitcoin job, now you're helping Bitcoin within the industry, and that's like you, you've kind of gone to the next level, right? And then eventually you just want to keep – like I've been here not eight years yet. This year will be eight at the end. And uh, I've always, always upped my game for how much I feel like I'm doing for Bitcoin every year. There's always more you can do to just help Bitcoin. And it might sound a little obsessive or something, and maybe it is, but like I feel totally impotent to participate in politics to, to vote to make the world a better place, to volunteer to make the world a better place. It just feels totally minuscule. But when I help Bitcoin, when I do something, you know, to even just buying a little bit of Bitcoin, it just feels way more powerful. Like I'm doing way more for the future of everybody just, just with that because you're just supporting this whole movement just by buying more of it. Um, that's, that's just a raw thing you can do that helps. But if you can start working for a Bitcoin company, helping Bitcoin grow through infrastructure, et cetera, running a node, running a lightning node, contributing to code, whatever. The closer you get to Bitcoin, the more you can help it. And and I've never personally, you know, every time I've dived deeper into the rabbit hole, it's never drowned me, you know? It's only felt warmer. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's always, I find it hard to actually keep up with everything. Yeah, it you is. 
producing two shows a week and now trying to make films, uh, trying to look at how people are using Bitcoin around the world, which has become, become a really important thing for me. I want to know how people are using it in El Salvador or Venezuela. And the ones who are using it is very different from those in New York or London. It's a completely different experience. I, I find it almost impossible to do that whilst trying to understand the tech, keep in mind where the tech's going, understand where the privacy uh, privacy is heading, following uh, economics, understanding what KYC regulations are. Like there is so much. I feel like there's, you almost have to pick an area and, and focus on that. Yeah. I mean, the the, but I see that as, a, as like why it's so awesome. Like the opportunities are overwhelmingly large, you know, that's how I see it. And so I, I see no obstacles here. I only see opportunities. And, I, and I, I really hope everybody starts to look at it that way too. Do you think also as somebody coming into Bitcoin, you've, it's important to have that skepticism for the government and be somebody who cares about freedom and you know, questions the, the role of the state. Do you think that's an important part to become a real big I mean as as a raw answer I'll just say like you know the probably not it's not required um but you know what I, mean. I I think you'll find an extremely high correlation um you know like this is I think maybe a, a huge part of not the only thing but indicative of the cultural divide between ethereum and bitcoin I don't think ethereum people you know you'll find the same quantity of them that are anti you know, anti-being government slaves. That they'll these are the people that will look for to the government for safety. These are the people that will trust the government. These are the people that you know are baked in. You know, Silicon Valley. You know, they were disruptors for the internet for our generation. But then they 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 kind of thought they could just keep being magical wizards and keep waving their wand and keep being, keep getting pats on the back and now they've all just become like this whole ego trip and they, they totally missed the point on bitcoin they're missing the point they're missing the boat they've done a great job exploiting people's interest in bitcoin and taking all of their money but they haven't really done much to help bitcoin or advance humanity in my opinion well i i refer to it in my venezuela film where i said bitcoin has been subverting the legacy final financial system and there is that kind mm -hmm. of the reason i asked i said do you have to be because i think can you really understand the the what you know the key properties of bitcoin and why they're important so much if you don't have that disdain towards the government because you you want censorship resistance you want seizure resistance yeah whereas i think ethereum for me is more like a it's a coder's toy to make little games little apps with but there's no real desire to subvert the legacy financial system if anything it feels like just a way to enrich themselves yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to, I'm not a psychologist or a scientist or something, but I, I've been contemplating lately whether or not humans can actually learn anything without pain. And, and if you if you define pain abstractly enough, um, that I'm not actually not sure anymore. Um, and that's kind of what I'm getting at with like Ethereum people. Like, they'll be happy happy to throw away their censorship resistance and embrace centralization and have the, all of their nodes be on one cloud and etc because they don't they, they haven't felt the pain they haven't been censored they haven't had like like i 
I don't even know why to this day, but I've been kicked off of multiple exchanges. I've never given been uh, one exchange gave me lies. The other one kicked me off, I think, because of the first one kicked me off. And it was just they were just sharing information. To my knowledge, I'm not a criminal. <laughs> um, and, and but I was treated like one. And just that experience alone just made me double down more on Bitcoin. I'm like, man, you know what? This is this is the whole fucking point. Like that was my money. And they're they're like they're they're oppressing me and I don't, they're not giving me a reason. Like I have no power in this situation, you know? And and I think that if you until you've felt pain, you're not gonna properly design things uh, safely, you know? Yeah. Well maybe see pain, see pain on others. And you I think you've got to have the right see, maybe. I'm a little bit worried with seeing pain where there's a little bit too much ego there where you're, you think you're going to save people and you'll save them by any means. And like ego is so tricky right now. Um, I, I have like, I think about these things a lot and, and like the, the line between arrogance and confidence and conviction and, you know, uh, being a fool, <laughs> you know, and it's really hard, you know, is you get philosophical about this stuff. And, and I think that, that I really, there's a lot missing in the culture for, for these shit coiners, you know, it, I just think there's a real cultural gap and this is, it comes from, you know, I've been through a lot of shit in my life and I've, I've dealt with authorities. I've dealt with, you know, all kinds of different problems. And I know you have stories too. And all of these things just make me feel more confident about this. You know, I just feel like, Humans need a way to fucking escape and be free and, and, and have their own shit and be left alone. <laughs> you know, like we need this. We need to create a better environment where the incentives work the way, you know, uh, they should. I don't know. I think I think a little bit of ego is okay because, look, I have a bit of ego. I'm, I don't think I'm, you can get anything done without ego. No, I, I, you know. <laughs> it's, it drives you forward. There's, you know, it. <laughs> But like you say, it depends where it's placed. But a little bit of ego that drives you forward, where you're kind of proud of what you've created, and you want other people to see it and, and congratulate you. And I, I always think that's—I don't think that's unhealthy. Yeah. Well, this is what's tricky: is these people all will gaslight the fuck out of you on this level. You know, mm. like I go around and I act very confident for Bitcoin on Twitter, and people think I am like Ethereum. They think I am a fucking idiot. They think like, wow, I can't believe how stupid you actually are. Like they say this to me, <laughs> you know, and like I say, I say dumb shit all the time. I know this, but I also know that I've put in like thousands more hours than many of these people on, on thinking about and, and reading about and understanding this on whole other levels. And, and, I, and yes, I still feel stupid and I still say dumb shit, but I'm not going to let some random Ethereum people make me feel, you know, uh, insecure about, about what I'm saying because it's no matter how they say it because I just know where things stand. I know how they actually work. Fuck you, Bitcoin again. <laughs> All right. Are there, are there any blind spots here in, in, in our world of Bitcoin? Do you believe we've got any blind spots? Have you got any blind spots? Do you think there's any skill sets that are you know, particularly missing? We have some of the best, if not the best developers in the world working on this. We have some of the hardest working people I know. And also just people who really genuinely care, and they do. I've met so many good people in this world. And, and I know there's some fuckers who screw up or have the wrong incentives. But do you believe there's any blind spots? And do you believe there's certain skill sets we don't have enough of in this world? Um, for the blind spots, I think they're always there and they always will. The The desire to, the temptation to move towards centralization and trust it's just like always going to be there it's going to always be pulling on everything all the time so i i don't think we can really get rid of that um 
but that means you've got to fight it right. You got to fight it when it happens. Yeah. So it's it's a, a constant battle. It's it's you know it's it will never end. It's relentless. Everybody's always going to be fighting against it because everybody's always going to be trying to scam everybody out of their Bitcoin. Yeah. And um, people should people should go back and listen to our first show. It was, it was called Defending Bitcoin. It was based on you know you in the trenches defending Bitcoin during the scaling debate. So I think I think people should should go and listen to that. The um the other point was you know what skill sets do you think there are particular areas do you think we're missing skill sets. Uh, yeah. I think so. As long as you have a core, correct understanding of Bitcoin, like we're probably okay as far as skill sets go. So the the edu- education and the curing of ignorance probably is pro- is the priority, and and as long as we 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 keep that first and we do a good job with that, we won't have to compensate too much in in sp- areas of specialization because the, one of the core things you have to understand about Bitcoin is all change is you know against consensus you know everything is you can't you can't tell an enemy apart from uh, somebody who's trying to benefit bitcoin help like every code change every person trying to interact with it you have to always assume that you can't trust them so like you you want to be we need to train people to be scared to update their bitcoin code to the latest version you know like you 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 probably want that version to be five years five versions ago to feel safe you know there's, there's some kind of culture that we have to keep creating and generating where you shouldn't you don't trust the core devs no the core devs are all, all they're all bitcoin attackers i'm not saying they're bad people they don't do good things for bitcoin but they're, but they're here to attack bitcoin like and and we can all agree to let them do so um and and move forward with what they want but that's we have to keep framing it this way we have to make sure that education stays this way because this is the same reason why government doesn't work now you know, because we don't want to to allow development to turn into government, and and it could happen if we're not careful. Um, you know, the, the the conspiracy theories that that Bcash people like to put on us, they, they weren't they didn't come about because they were impossible. You know, they didn't just make that shit up. That that could actually happen, and they they could even be right now. The truth is, it just has to not matter. It has to be that like in the end, we have enough people reviewing the code, enough people caring about being scared to change the code at all that we can stay protected um that said i I do think yeah more way 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 more eyeballs in the code would be great um that's probably one thing that i think would be the most important i think if i recall this is what a core devs kind of say also they would like a lot more code review yeah um just to make sure we don't let anything bad in you know yeah all right cool look final question on this one before we close out what does the future hold john that's very, very broad. Very broad. Uh, <laughs> Means you can answer future, how you want. Sure. The, the future for Bitcoin, I really hope that this this next pump does actually happen to some degree. You know, I, just for the invigoration in the Bitcoin economy, mostly. Um, not not for personal greed reasons. I can I can handle another year or two of Bitcoin at eight thousand. It's okay. But I, I would like to accelerate. You know, I'm. I'm here to make this happen faster i want bitcoin to happen faster i want to be alive when bitcoin happens you know and i think there is a bitcoin happening moment that's a whole other level than where we are now and i, and I want to help make it happen and i want to be alive when it happens um so the future for bitcoin i think is uh you know disruption of of maybe 
more and more markets each wave each cycle you know like we saw a little bit of disruption with like high inflationary currency and some markets you know last last bubble um the next one i think we'll probably we'll see a, we'll see it happen to bigger countries than last time and we'll see probably our probably in the next couple of years we'll see our first major aggressor to bitcoin you know we we had the india banning bitcoin and now unbanning it and then now maybe rebanning it we'll see but that was nothing like i think bitcoin still has some hostility coming towards it could be some really bad laws in, in places that matter outright bannings probably not i hope that we can progress bitcoin at, at, in a proper way so that there's just too many people that have bitcoin for the government to ever be interested in killing it because they're bitcoiners too but that, that's the future i hope for and the future i want to see is just more and more people just using bitcoin as if it was like you know another tool in their toolbox and them all agreeing that they we can't just like get rid of this or ban it or hate it. It's it's even better than what we had, and and yeah, I, I, we have to kind of poison pill the world into Bitcoin. Um, Lightning Network, I think. I don't know if we'll see the big Lightning Network moment till we see the next big pump. I think it'll keep growing, but the pace people might might be a little disappointed in the pace. Um, but they might continue to be disappointed because it's not. One, we still have to make all the cool products for it and these like kind of layer three-ish stuff. So there's still a lot more work to be done. And two, the, the, the commerce isn't actually here yet. Like people haven't made money on Bitcoin since Lightning, you know? Um, we need all these people to make money, to have money to spend. We need to have a lot of new entrants and we need to have people actually wanting to do retail with Bitcoin again. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we jumped the gun in those in those first few years, you know, 2013 or whatever, that, that kind of era where we tried to get retail on board. It was way too early. There just weren't enough people that had Bitcoin yet. But yeah, that, that's that's kind of some answers, I guess, to the, yeah. the future of Bitcoin. Awesome, man. Well, listen, look, it's always great to have you on. It's been a great way to end this series. I know you've got some exciting things coming up. We're going to talk about those in the future. But if people want to keep an eye on you, they want to stay in touch or maybe even reach out to you, if, they have, if they're not going to ask you how to get involved in Bitcoin, then uh, how, do people, <laughs> how do people follow you, man? I, I'm not as scary as I seem. Um, I'm, I'm generally... I'm, I'm mostly a nice guy. I'm just a little bit rude on Twitter. <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter as Bitcoin Errorlog. Um, you can find me on the same handle on Telegram if you want to chat about anything. And yes, I, I, I have a, a new project, a new stealth mode, top secret project that I will hopefully be able to announce to people by the time maybe the show is out, at least with the, with the name and, and some initial narrative about the vision of this company. But yeah, I, I'm looking for any help if, if there are lightning enthusiasts out there and people that you know share my kind of uh, rebellious view of bitcoin and in its place in the world if you, if you think you can help me with this mission get in touch right nice one well listen i wish you the best for that you know if you need any help from me if i can do anything just reach out to me and appreciate you coming on again hey thanks for having me all right so what did you make of that the beginner's guide is finished It's done. It's over. All 17 episodes are out there. I have loved doing this series. It's been really good, not only just for me to learn, not only for me personally to learn, but to get this stuff out there to some of you. You know, we're covering stuff you might already know. So whether you've learned something new, it's been a refresh, I think it's been a helpful series. And I've loved all the feedback, but I want more. Look, if you've been through the series and you've got some feedback, please get in touch. 
I am also planning to put this whole series up on a new website. I've bought the beginner's guide to Bitcoin.com. When I get some time, I'm going to put it all up on there. I also want to do an animated, single narrated version of the guide. Just another way for people to consume the content. But yes, I've loved doing this. I've loved making it. But please do give me your feedback. Let me know what you think. And as I said in the intro, a massive thanks to everyone who's got involved, everyone who's supported this, everyone who's come on, everyone who's helped me plan in the background. I think it's been a very, very good series to do. Okay, a great way to round it off. Big thanks to John. I love his approach. I love his thinking. You know, Bitcoin is fuck you money. Anyone tells you any different, just tell them to go fuck themselves. Okay, a lot of swearing in this episode. Very sorry. I know I get some people saying, look, I'm in the car and I'm listening to this with my children. Can you stop swearing so much? I'm sorry. We can't get away from the fact that Bitcoin is fuck you money. But I'm sorry to you, and I'm sorry to your kids this week, but it is what it is. Right, if you want to support the show, if you like what I'm doing, if you've listened to the whole beginner's guide, and you think, do you know what, Pete? I want to help you out here. Really appreciate your work. Well, there's a couple of things you can do. Firstly, you can share this out with your friends and family. Not just this, but any show. But there's loads of other things you can do. You can leave me a review on iTunes. Do you know what? It's all up on my website. If you want to help, head over there. It's whatbitcoindid.com. Click on the support section. Everything you can do to help is listed there. Right. That's the series done. Any feedback, you can reach out to me. My email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. 